The Talking Book is an independent audiobook recording studio and publisher from Asheville, North Carolina. If you want to make an audiobook or read for this show, go to thetalkingbook.org. That's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, indie publishers, voice actors, this podcast. Come to Asheville, hang out. We record books in a booth. Here's the show. Hi, friends and family. Chris Hartram here of the Talking Book Podcast. I just want to start by wishing the friends and family of Giancarlo de Trapano Talking Book's humble condolences. Um, you know, I didn't know Giancarlo super well, but worked with him on recording Tyrant Books since the beginning of Talking Book. And his work and those books are absolutely one of the reasons that I started Talking Book to begin with. Uh, with him, we did Bad Sex, the Sarah book, Literally Show Me a Healthy Person, Welfare, Under the Sea, and Essays and Fictions. Um, his death is a horrible blow to everything that I love about contemporary literature and publishing, and I will miss him and his work very dearly. Rest in peace, sir. Ah, okay, so today I am really fucking pumped to play a very special reading from John Lindsay, who is the author of the much-talked-about Body High from House of Vlad Press. Uh, we're lucky as hell that Talking Book gets to produce the unabridged audio for this. Uh, John and I are talking and we're still not sure if we're going to use a professional voice actor or if John wants to read it himself yet. And I like his voice. You're about to hear his voice. Um, I think it could go either way. I love when an author, of course I love when an author reads their own book, you know, it's everything. But you know, sometimes I love when the right voice actor can bring something to life. So, you know, it just, it depends on the book. It depends on the author's voice. You know, it depends on just a lot of different things, but I, I think you're going to like John's voice. And I'm really, really excited about this audiobook, and I'm excited about this book. And uh, him and his wife, Allie Rowbottom, are both on this recording you're about to hear. They did something interesting, something kind of different. But anyway, I hope you're going to buy Body High by John Lindsay from House of Vlad Press after listening to this. Enjoy. Body High, Chapter 16. With my head propped against the window, I watched the San Fernando Valley speed past. Sunshine and palm trees, a landfill, a reservoir, unsayable graffiti that climbs the freeway wall and over the wall a blur of apartment complexes where worn down workers go to rest their bodies under billboards that offer fat freezes and stomach stapling, augmentations and reductions. And FF weaves us through red, white, and silver cars that blare of their horns lost in my child's long wail for her mother. Mommy! Her fists beat on the window. I'm here, I want to tell my daughter, like a good dad. But that's not who I am. I'm just the guy who accidentally gave her life, then irrevocably fucked it up. She keeps screaming. Jillian sits beside her in the back seat, fingers corking ears. My daughter has a powerful pair of lungs. Shut that kid up. FF reaches across me and opens the glove box. And there's the gun. He laughs. Not that, he says. The duct tape. This isn't what we agreed on. This isn't how it was supposed to go. We were going to talk to the kid. Convince her to help us save Jolene, but I must be stupid. 
I should have known, probably a part of me did, that it would happen like this, that FF is out of control. Hold the wheel, he says. He opens a ziplock, does a big bump off the back of his hand. He thinks he's the hero, but that's what every bad guy believes. Maybe I'm doing it too, but obviously I'm no hero. He hands me the ziplock. I lick the bag, turn it inside out to get the rest out. I want to believe the drugs are an excuse for what I'm doing. I crawl over the center console into the back seat holding the duct tape. My daughter kicks me with clean white tennis shoes, screams, Easy, easy, I say. Her marshmallow shoes thump my arms. Part of me wants the kicks, needs them, more. My daughter squirms against the door, cornered. Her eyes dart around the car and keep landing on Jolene. Nobody's going to hurt you, I say, and lean in, wishing the words were true. Her karate chop comes straight out of a strip mall dojo. Oh, I'm okay. I tilt my head back, swallow blood. It's not your fault. The kid pulls her knees to her chest and tucks into the shape of a rock. It breaks my heart, that rock. Try not to bleed on me, Jolene says and presses fast food napkins to my nose. I guess because Jolene's a girl, I expect her to act more motherly to me and the kid. But I'm reminded again that she is practically a kid herself. FF turns on the radio, pop, ranchera, hip-hop. He doesn't stay on any station long enough to finish a song, up and down the dial. I close my eyes and wait to stop bleeding. The sounds of the freeway hiss, wheels spinning in circles. FF lands on the classic rock station, and I think of my mom her press-on fingernails running through a boyfriend's greasy mane while I look on from the back seat, feeling like I'm losing her. I fantasize about how I would introduce myself to my daughter under better circumstances if somehow we had met another way. I peel the wad of bloody napkins off my nose. I'm Leland, I say to my daughter. No, you're fucking not. FF says, but I don't care anymore. I'm sick of being scared. I've been so terrified of losing Jolene, my last connection to my mom, that I've lost myself in the fear. I can't let the same thing happen to my daughter. If she is going to help us, it has to be out of mercy. I want my Bobby, my daughter says in desolate little sobs. I know, I say. I lost my mom, too. She peeks at me through the gap between her knees. I set the duct tape down. What's your name, I say. She sniffles, wipes her nose on her arm. Brooklyn? Poor girl. I'm embarrassed for her. Can I call you Brooke? My name is Brooklyn. How about Lynn? That's not my name. What about BK? She shakes her head. How about Crooklyn? She likes this game. Okay, here's the deal, Brooklyn, I say. 
if somebody you cared about, I mean really loved, <laughs> Jolene snorts. Like my mom? Brooklyn says. Like your mom, I say. Imagine if your mom was sick and only you could help. You would try, wouldn't you? She nods. I thought so. You're brave, I say. It's unnerving how easy, how natural it comes, the seduction. Well, Jojo here is very sick. Without your help, she's going to die. Jolene twists her ballooning cheeks into a grotesque smile. My daughter's forehead scrunches like my mom's. I want Jolene to take this seriously, but her rotten attitude says her life isn't actually depending on any of this. She's acting like a teenager with a stomach bug, not nephrotic kidneys. It makes me see how young she really is. Like a true teenager, she doesn't believe she can die. But she is dying. I can see it. And FF is dying with her. At least the part that makes him human. And me? I feel like every time I look at Brooklyn, I die a little. I can't not think about the life I'm stealing from her. She wants to trust me. I can see it when she pokes her face between her knees. She's never had a reason not to trust an adult. I feel insane lying to Brooklyn, saying, Jolene is an actress who was cast as Ariel in a live-action rendition of The Little Mermaid. Brooklyn likes The Little Mermaid. I do too. Sadly, the severity of Jolene's suffering keeps her up all night, in tears, wetting the bed, unable to memorize her lines for The Little Mermaid, and did I mention The Little Mermaid, and so on. Even in Jolene's swollen, sour state, she retains enough of her Disney princess looks to make my story convincing. From inside her shell, Brooklyn eyes Jolene, as if any second the actress might break into song. The more I talk, the more Brooklyn emerges. She stretches her legs out on the seat. I feel something intimate between us. I suspect she feels it too. I would even guess that, Despite our first encounter, Brooklyn is warming to me. It makes me want to tell her not to. And then the Amber Alert is on the radio, and at the same time, it comes over our phones. You're famous, Jillian says, full of snark. Two men and a teen girl in a black, late-modeled, four-crown Victoria or Chevrolet Caprice. I reach for Jolene's hand. She pulls her hand away. FF takes the next exit off the freeway, checking his mirrors religiously. He takes back streets through back alleys and residential neighborhoods of brown lawns and shaggy palm trees that abut industrial parks with chain link and razor wire fences. Tall weeds grow through the cracks in the asphalt. 18-wheelers with heavy machinery idle outside salvage yards and auto upholsters and auto body shops and taco trucks. At last, FF drives into the gravel lot of a pick-apart junkyard. Inside the compound's gates are several acres of cars that will never run again. Long lines of cars. A traffic jam, rusted shut. Brooklyn stares out the window at the carcasses the scrapped cars stripped for spare parts. My stomach hurts. 
the innards of the engines and the dirt. The ache reminds me of waking naked on the gurney in the walk-in clinic, the old Armenian doctor, the wide surgical bandage around my waist. We can't do this. I grab the knotted muscle of FF's shoulder. We can't go through with it. Go through? He shuts off the engine and looks at me. We've already gone through, he says. We're on the other side. Through the windshield, I can see an office trailer. Parked in front are two black cars, Range Rover and Benz, washed and waxed. Besides, FF says. He takes off his sunglasses, and I'm surprised by the emotion in his eyes. The kid wants to help. Don't you, Brooklyn? Unsure, Brooklyn nods yes. Think of it this way, FF whispers. She would have died on a sock, or washed down the shower drain, or vacuumed up at Planned Parenthood like every other little Leland. Just take us to the hospital, man, I say. Baby. Jillian says. Maybe he's right. This place is dirty. Don't you start to, FF says. He slams the car door and starts across the gravel to the trailer. His gym-built shoulders slump. The trailer door opens and FF is greeted by a small man in a tight t-shirt. On the shirt are skulls with wings, elaborate lettering, and iron crosses. His designer jeans are distressed in a way that looks like he pissed himself. Next, out the door is another guy, bigger, fatter, with equally elevated fashion. I recognize both these turds, Shant and Rafi, the most tragic clothes horses in the valley. They shake hands with FF. Shant waves at me, narrows his eyes to look into the car but what he sees changes the cordial tone of the conversation. The men's voices raise. Both brothers gesticulate with loud wrist jewelry. I crawl into the driver's seat. The keys are gone. I open the glove box. My hands won't stop shaking as I pick up the gun. In the back seat, Jolene holds Brooklyn and strokes her hair now. I see my mom in both of them. I want to go home, Brooklyn says. I know, I say. I do too. I stare at the gun in my hands, surprised it's so light, surprised to be holding it. The secret about home, I say, is that it doesn't actually exist. The gun feels different than the ones I shot with FF in the desert. I can't find the safety. Home, I say, it's just a foundational state of being. You'll spend your entire life trying and failing to return to it. Brooklyn is breathing fast. Jolene hugs her. But in a way, I say, home can be anything. Even Jolene can be home. For me, she is. I rack the slide to see if the gun is loaded. Flash. It fires. Okay, that was John Lindsay reading from his new novel, Body High, from House of Vlad Press. 
Also on that recording was the writer and John's wife, Ali Robottom. Go to houseoflaw.bigcartel.com to pre-order Body High right goddamn now. And uh, check out our audiobook catalog, thetalkingbook.org. If you like books like this, if you like writers like this, if you like publishers like this, thetalkingbook.org. Lots of audiobooks by great people. Um, as always, thank you so much to my heterosexual life mate, Dave Burr, for editing the show, Keegan Grambois, Holler Boys, and Alex Sturgis for the music, and all the writers, publishers, and voice actors, and editors, and everything else for being a part of this. I love you all. Please hit me up. My name is Chris Hartram. Bye. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit before I Oh